The issues that matter most, right here. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. We hear a lot about faith and we hear a lot about love and I think that hope is perhaps the forgotten middle three of the great theological virtues. But when someone is suffering from depression or a related mental disorder, this virtue of hope is so foundational, so important in the process of their recovery, in the awareness that God is their loving Father and He will help them through this trial. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Well, good afternoon. Thanks for joining me. Let's, uh, let's talk about that. All right, I don't know how you are doing today. Are you down? Are you out? Are you feeling a little depressed, a little under the weather, overcome by so much of the circumstances of life? If you are, today's the show for you. We're going to get you plugged in to everything that you are going to need to to know and, and that you're going to deal with. It's it's hard, you know. Sometimes life can be right. I mean, you might suffer of loss. You might be mourning. You might be seeing your business fail. You might be battling a prolonged illness. You know what? You can get down. You can get depressed. You can get bummed out. And you know that's okay. It, it really is. That was Dr. Aaron Cariotti that you just heard there. He was talking about depression. He's been a frequent guest of ours on the program. And, you know, he, he says, you know, the faith, the virtues of hope. And this is something I do want to talk a little bit about later today. That's a weapon against what is an ever-increasing, ever-growing plague of depression in our society. So if you have somebody right now that you know is depressed, if you are down and out, uh, I invite you to turn up the radio or at least get them plugged in because uh, today I think we might be able to answer some of your questions. All right. Every, I don't know if you saw this or not. I, I follow what the Holy Father says and every month, uh, Pope issues prayers. Uh, well, he issues prayer intentions and he asks the church around the world to pray for specific things. Right. And so often you'll hear this lifted up at mass or, you know, we'll do it here on the show. You know what his intention was this month? It's a great one. This month, one of his intentions was that we pray that people who suffer from depression or from burnout will find support and that they'll, you know, and that a, a, you know, that they'll find a light that opens them up to life. And I thought that was worded beautifully because when you are depressed, everything gets a little darker, doesn't it? The whole world dims. And he says, pray for people who suffer from depression or burnout, that they'll find the support and the light that will open them up to light. Now, that's uh, it's a much-needed prayer right now. A lot of people are suffering from depression, especially because of the lockdowns. And we saw the huge spike in that, didn't we? We saw depression levels, we saw anxiety levels, and we saw suicide rates all go through the roof, especially during the lockdown. And right now, a lot of people are trepidatious. They're concerned about what the future holds. Uh, you know, we're still battling COVID. We're seeing rising inflation. We're seeing all sorts of other problems that cause people really to have, be concerned and, you know, maybe even lose hope. Maybe your business is not doing well. You know, maybe you can't find work. You know, maybe you are sick. Maybe you've lost someone. It's easy to get depressed. You know, according to some sources, you know, lockdown pre- depression, um, and this was news to me. I, I didn't realize this until about last week. Lockdown depression became the new normal. There was a psychiatrist, he he wrote this article for the New York Post that he says depression rates tripled since the start of COVID. 
depression rates have tripled, not doubled, but tripled since the start of COVID. And for the 12-month period ending just last June, he says fatal overdoses have increased almost 20% to an all-time record high of 81,000. That's way too many Americans to lose their life in that fashion. So bottom line here, depression um, is a common malady in our country, and you're not alone. If you are going through this, you know, one of the great deceptions of the evil one, this is my own personal take on this. I, I really believe he wants you to believe you're alone, that there's no help for your situation, that you'll never see light, you'll never get out of your current circumstance, that God's not going to come to your rescue. That's the deception. That's the narrative of the evil one. I got a different message for you. There is hope. There's always a brighter day. With God on your side, all things are possible. And maybe today you're listening to this program by chance. Maybe you turned me on at the right time. Uh, dealing with depression is uh, is tough. I mean, a lot, it's a lot of times it could be psychological. It could be you know biochemical. There's a lot of things that go into it, as well as circumstances. Um, one problem I think we see in our culture right now is our reliance on technology rather than on each other um, for comfort and for wisdom. And the least depressed people in the world are those who rely on tech. Uh, there's this tribe in Papua New Guinea called uh, the Kalui, and uh, they don't have any tech at all. <laughs> you know, none, zero. Um, they, they live in a survival mode all the time, but they're close relationships. They, they have wonderful relationships. Um, physical labor is hard, uh, but it's kept them very sane. The Amish have a very similar uh, account of low depression rates as well. But, um, you know, getting somebody off a of tech in our country is nearly impossible. So how do you go about helping people who are depressed? Uh, Deacon Ed uh, Schoner is going to be joining me here. We'll get you up to speed on that. Just as a side note, I saw a news report this morning, and I think in parts of Chicago and I think in parts of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, uh, Comcast and some other internet provider went black, right? They went out. And I just thought, man, imagine how different life would be if we, look, I love tech and I, and I gotta be honest, I'm probably addicted to it. You know, I'm true. I mean, I, I lost power in my home for a couple of hours one day during a big storm and, and I thought I was going crazy. You couldn't put on your television, right? You, you, yeah, I couldn't answer email. I couldn't, you know, get into the, the computer. I couldn't read. I couldn't do anything, right? I guess you could read if you want to do it old school with a book, but, um, it was weird how dependent you are on that cell phone of yours or that tablet or that computer. You imagine if we, if everything went back to a simpler time, how would relationships change? What would happen to depression rates? What would happen to anxiety levels? What would happen to community and those bonds? I, I, I think sociologists are going to look back on this technological revolution that we've seen. And I think they're going to see some real big markers, but you know, with hindsight, you always see with uh, with 2020. Let me welcome to the program, though, Deacon Ed Schoner. He's a deacon at the Cathedral of St. Peter in Scranton, Pennsylvania, and um, he's been with us in the past. It's good to have him here with us. He's also the president of the Association of Catholic Mental Health Ministers. And if you want some help, you might want to check them out. You can go online to catholicmhm.org. He's teamed up with uh, Bishop John Dolan. He's an auxiliary bishop of San Diego. Um, they published a couple different books, and uh, I think we had him on before talking about When a Loved One Dies by Suicide. That was one of his books. 
and his, his other is responding to suicide. They have longer titles, of course, but good to have him back with me today. Deacon, good afternoon. Hi, good afternoon, Drew. Nice to be with you again. Always delighted to have you here. I appreciate it. Um, depression rates, I was struck by the fact that we are seeing them tripling in just, you know, recent months, if you will. Uh, of course, we're seeing people turn to opioids, and as a result of that, we're seeing, you know, fatal overdoses. I did a show not too long ago on fentanyl and um, carfentanil in what it's doing to America. Uh, what, what are you seeing? This is your area of expertise. Are you guys overloaded now, being overrun? What's happening Have P- and, and what's driving it? I mean, lockdowns are in theory over right now. Are, are numbers beginning to drop or what are you seeing? Yeah, the numbers uh, that I've been reading is, is that they, uh, this is a continuation of a trend that started before the lockdown, before the pandemic. Uh, I'm sure you probably remember the, the drug overdose problems, fentanyl, opioids in the country was, was a crisis before, and the, the, the pandemic certainly didn't help it at all. Uh, the, uh, the, the rates of depression and anxiety are up, especially with uh, young people. Uh, the, the only glimmer of, of anything that I would even call this good news, but uh, suicide rates uh, have stayed held steady. Uh, but as you said, the uh, the drug overdose rates are up, and it's an awful thin line between, you know, what yeah. a coroner classifies as a suicide and as a drug overdose. So these depths of despair, I guess, if you want to call it, are certainly up. Um, and you know, this this cries out uh, for the for the compassion and healing presence of Christ in the in our society and in the individual lives lives of people that are dealing with these these afflictions uh and uh it's so great yeah. that the pope is uh, leading us in praying for people to live with depression this month yeah no, no doubt about it i think they're often forgotten and we should be praying in earnest i, I think for them uh let's talk about things we can do for those who are depressed you might have a son a daughter maybe it's your spouse maybe it's a sibling what are some of the things people can do to help somebody who's in a depressive state because honestly i, I would think you feel powerless like, what can I do if, it's, if they're not taking their medication or if they're not getting out? I mean, this literally could be crippling for them. Yeah, I mean, the, probably the most important thing you can do, and, you know, and I, I live with depression myself, uh, uh, is, is just be close to them, accompany them. Oftentimes, it's simply in silence. Just be with them. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, sometimes we have to accept our limits, and sometimes we can't tell them what to do or solve their problems. Uh, I know when depression comes over me, it's like, I don't know what metaphor you want to use. It's like a fog coming in or it's like having a bad flu or something. There's just nothing you can do. You just need someone to be with them. You know, Drew, and it's also important, uh, you know, it's a gift from God, psychological support and uh, mental health counseling and therapists. All of this is, is, is a gift from God, this, this better medical care that we have available to us. Uh, so, you know, encourage people to, because we self-stigmatize. We don't like to acknowledge we have depression or mental health problems. So getting the support's important. And like you mentioned earlier, Drew, uh, the words of Christ can help us. And console yeah, you know, Christ, it, Christ it, is the greatest psychologist ever. Uh, amen to that. It really is funny how people look at mental health. You know, and I, I hope attitudes are changing towards it. I mean, if you have cancer, if your gallbladder's bad, or if you're, you know, your, your liver's not operating, you know, people understand that. You know, you have respiratory mm-hmm. problems, heart problems. Um, that's okay. But if somebody's right. struggling with depression, or they're crippled by anxiety, or they have suicidal ideations. There almost is a shame for those who carry that. I mean, you can talk about not having a strong heart, but you can't talk about, you know, dealing with crippling anxiety or or possible depression. Why is that? What is it about? How did that ever happen? Why do we why do we compartmentalize these the, the physical versus the mental almost as the, the mental is, 
is um, is worse. Like, a, like it's a moral failing or a character. Yeah, flaw. right. Yeah, this right. self-stigmatization, this discrimination uh, that people live with and impose upon themselves. So it's good that, you know, you and other Catholic leaders, Drew, we're talking about this. It is... Uh, it is a psychological problem. It's also they're also healing that you can find in the church. But I often equate it to this: if you're thinking of, well, let's put it this way: if you if your chest was, uh, you know, if you had chest pains or if you had some sort of tingling in the side of your face, you would go get it checked out for heart problems or a stroke. Similarly, if you're thinking about suicide, I don't mean actually yeah. making a plan and going right. buying something to kill yourself. But if you're thinking about that, take that as an early warning sign. To get some mental health care and don't be ashamed of it. Uh, you know, go get a therapist or find a psychologist and and go get the care you need. And uh, uh, slowly but surely, and I'm sure surely because I believe Christ is in the midst of all this. Slowly but surely, the stigma is breaking down, and yeah. we'll be able to get the care that we need. Um, yeah, and great. if I would add, you know, the, the the value of a loving church community can't be uh, uh, overstated. Yeah. Uh, this sense of community, because far too often, I don't know about your church communities, Drew, but in my end, you know, the people that live with a mental illness were reluctant to bring it up and to let it be known within a community. So they, even within a church community, the guy sitting next to you in the pew might be, you know, the college professor or your high school teacher, right. and they're dealing with clinical depression, and they don't want to tell you about it. Well, uh, you know, you break your leg. You break your leg, it, you know, people can see you're limping, you're walking on crutches, right. you're in a cast, but when the, the cast comes off, they say, oh, he's healed. You know, somebody right. with depression or anxiety or whatever other the mental challenge might be, sometimes, you know, I can understand people being, being worried that people always look at them as if though they have this this great struggle. So, I mean, it's it's a tough thing. We need mercy and we need compassion. Let me take a few phone calls uh, for you, too. If you want to get in, you got a question, sure. maybe you're struggling, you know, a great time to, to join us. The number's 888 914-9149. Jim is listening to us in Newtown Square, Pennsylvania, or Newton's, yeah, I think it's Newtown Square, Pennsylvania. Hi, Jim, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Drew. Uh, it's very timely that you're having this uh, talk. I listened to uh, Relevant Radio back around March or April, and you had the same topic on, and someone mentioned uh, do something good for someone else. Mm-hmm. By coincidence, that that night, around 10 o'clock at night, I got a call from my son-in-law that my daughter was being rushed to the hospital and someone needed to take care of the six little kids, ages three to three to 11. So we rushed over, and as uh, my daughter's going down on a stretcher and out to the ambulance, the six little kids were upstairs in their pajamas, all nervous and worried about mommy. And so I told him, I pulled him together and I said, I was listening to relevant radio this morning and uh, Drew Mariani had a guy talking about depression and what to do. And he said, do something good for someone else. Doesn't that sound like a good idea? And the kids all nodded. Yes, yes. And I said, but it's 1030 at night now. What are we going to do for? Oh, I know. And I jumped on the floor and I said, I could sure use a back massage and shoulder massage and hip massage and and put uh, massage. The kids pounced on me. The kids pounced on me, and were giggling and laughing. And at least that night, yeah. uh, it handled their anxiety and their depression. And I've but told Jim, that story to. I've told that story to other people when they're upset or depressed, and I say, "Let me tell you a little story." And 
it seems to it seems to work. Yeah, I love it. I think it's great advice. I'm glad you called in to share that. Um, and, and, and Deacon, maybe we can talk a little bit about that. I, you know, I, a couple of things we'd said, and I remember that conversation, Jim. When you do good, when you are charitable, when you give, I, I do believe, you know, your happiness increases. Father Rocky, who's our chief executive officer, often quotes the great saint, Jose Maria Escrivá, who would say that. But there's lots of things you can do. I mean, count your blessings. That's another thing. You know, look back on gratitude. Identify the blessings that have come in your life. And then give of yourself. Uh, if you can give like, like you did or encourage others to do that, if you can volunteer, uh, you're going to find that, um, you know, so often that depression becomes mitigated if, if it doesn't doesn't even leave you. And, of course, I always say keep your, your eyes on heaven. Always look for that silver lining and know that um, these problems are always, always temporary. But, Deacon, I'd love your take on it. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, people that I deal with in our support groups and that that live with depression, they get so isolated. They even isolate it with inside their own head, so to speak. And being able to get outside of yourself and join in the community, help other people is, is good for lots of reasons. I mean, Christ made us to live in a community like that, so it's inherently part of us um, wanting to be and support each other. But it also helps you to focus your energies on, uh, on something besides what maybe your mind is, you know, you just get in this circle where you, you're just constantly ruminating on the same thing. It sort of breaks that and allows you to focus on something else. So it's therapeutically good. It's morally good. It's, it's good on a whole different range of levels. And the extent our parish communities can open their doors and allow people who are living with this depression to give them opportunities to, to serve other people, uh, it, it, it's so helpful on so many different levels. So that's why when parishes yeah. start mental health ministries, uh, it can really help people in so many different ways. Uh, and that's a, that's a ministry that I think a lot of our parishes are starting to do and can think about uh, as offering that, a special uh, ministry focused on mental health and helping people with yeah. depression to get out of their depression and serve others. Absolutely. It's a great uh, idea. It's such a, yeah, and if you're in a parish and, you know, you might have a health program or something, you may want to look into doing this. Deacon Ed Schoener, you're listening to, is the president of the Association of Catholic Mental Health Ministers. You can learn more about him at Catholic MHM. Dot org and check it out. I'll go back to the phones in a second here. If you're on hold, I'll get you on the air. If you want to get in, the number's 888 888-914-9149. 888-914-9149. I, I want to circle back to something, though. I mean, Jim talked about, you know, uh, doing something for someone else. You know, we, we talk about the things we can do. I really think that the rise in anxiety that we're seeing in the culture, because I, I, so many millennials are crippled by this. And, and I also think that depression and suicide rates are also indirectly perhaps linked to this this overload of technology we have. And I think technology is inherently neutral. If it's used for good, goods are multiplied. If it's used for evil, evils can be multiplied. But I also do think it might be doing something uh, to to the, the mind and maybe even to the psyche. I, and the reason I say that is not only because of the rise of anxiety we see at unprecedented levels, but uh, like I was mentioning, this Kalui tribe in Papua New Guinea or the, or the Amish, um, they, they have none of this technology today. And statistically, their data, the, the rates of, of depression amongst the Amish are incredibly low and practically non-existent for the, this other tribe. Uh, what role does technology, this constant stimuli, this so-called, you know, being ever connected, uh, you know, the, the likes and all the, the followers, the et cetera, what does that play? How does that play uh, you know, into one's sense of self, maybe even their anxiety or depression, in your opinion? What are you saying? 
I think that's tied into the rise of the nuns, the N-O-N-E-S, you know, mm-hmm. not, not N-U-N-S, but the rise of the right. unaffiliated religious. Well, they're not just simply unaffiliated with churches. They're not affiliated with civic engagement. They're not affiliated with their community. Uh, this technology isolates us. You sit there and, you know, and I'm guilty of it too. You sit there, look at your phone or your desktop computer, and you get wrapped up in your own little isolated community. And that's not real community. That's not now and being around living and breathing human beings who are sharing their stories with you, their joys and their laughters. Uh, so this, yeah, we're is- the technology's isolating it. And I think we're all starting to realize that. Or we're all too uh, just sit at home on a weekend and watch Netflix rather than go out and join people yeah. in community events. Yeah, this is something I think is churches, and it's a real place that parish communities can make a real difference is just to offer these places of community and places where people can get together and talk and, and uh, yeah. restore themselves spiritually and emotionally. I think you're right. You know, I'm a people person. I love people. I, I love talking to people. You know, I used to do a lot of traveling when I was doing documentary sure. work. And, and you know, I'd be in an airport. Nobody had cell phones then, really. You know, I right. mean, uh, right. there are laptops or tablets. I mean, you talk to the person sitting next to you, you know, or in line, right. or you, you chat to well, whoever. I mean, I just, people talked. It was, it was now, right. you know, you get your oil change, you go to the store, you're, nobody wants to look at each other. Everybody looks down right. and they're all in their phone. Okay. You're checking your Facebook feed or your Twitter or whatever, or your email. Uh, it, it's, it's unfortunate. We're more connected, but I also think at the same time we're more isolated. Yeah, and those of us that are in parish leadership positions maybe could start to address that with some sort of social activities in the parish and not get discouraged if only five or ten people show out at the first one. I mean, it's something that uh, we can do something about, I I love it. Deacon, I'll tell you, hold on a second. I'm going to take a short pause. When we come back, if you're on hold, dive right into the phones. Love to hear your experiences. Love to have you join the conversation. If you're struggling, you need some insight. We are speaking today to Deacon Ed Schoner, Deacon at the Cathedral of St. Peter in Scranton, Pennsylvania, but also the president of the Association of Mental Health Ministers, and he wrote two books. When a Loved One Dies by Suicide, Comfort, Hope, and Healing for Grieving Catholics and Responding to Suicide, a pastoral handbook for Catholic leaders. His story is a powerful one. We might touch on that as well. So stay with me. I'll be right back. Hi, Drew Mariani here. Hey, I am traveling to the Holy Land in February with our underwriting sponsor, Nativity Pilgrimage. Information is available at relevantradio.com slash Holy Land. That's relevantradio.com slash Holy Land. We all have difficult lives, you know, that life is characterized in in large part by suffering. There's an inevitable element of suffering in life. And I've been suggesting to people that the sustaining meaning that they can find in their life isn't to be found through happiness, let's say, because happiness doesn't work when you're not happy, when, 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 when things have gone badly for you, for, for, even for accidental reasons. But you can find sustaining meaning and responsibility, and you can take responsibility for yourself. You can do that. And if you take responsibility for yourself, you treat yourself as if you're someone that's worthy of care and, and discipline. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Yeah, that was a uh, very bright thinker. That, of course, is Dr. Jordan Peterson, who is a clinical psychologist, giving advice um, you know, that he gives to his patients that suffer from depress- depression. Depression. Uh, Res- responsibility, he says, 
Responsibility. It gives meaning to your life. I know a person who suffers from anxiety, and I, and I think about this particular individual. Uh, she's locked up in her own place. She barely goes out, barely does anything, can barely hold down a job, and I think probably also suffers from depression as a well uh, as, as a result of it. Responsibility, he says, gives meaning to your life. You know, the stress that a lot of people are dealing with right now, not only because of the coronavirus, but because of all the other pressures that we're now seeing in society and the culture at large, economically and in so many other areas, you know, millions of people um, have been affected as a result of, of COVID. And uh, there's great anxiety. There's great fear about what the, what the future holds. If you are suffering from anxiety or depression, there is help. And I want you to get it. Um, it can easily lead to alcohol and drug addictions. I've noticed that that is on the rise, too. A lot of people were stuck in their home, form these habits of drinking kind of heavily. Maybe you know somebody. Maybe somebody's talking about not wanting to live, not seeing hope in the future. There is a suicide prevention hotline, and I want to give you the number for it. So I want you to jot this down and give it to somebody. You know that the calls to the suicide prevention hotline had gone up about 300% just in a month. I mean, insane. That's an insane number. Here's the number for you. It's one 800 273 8255. An easy way to remember it is 800-273-TALK. Okay. And just talk. If there's an issue there, um, you know, talk it out. As I said, there is always hope and there's always a brighter and a better day. In fact, the Holy Father's asking you and me to pray for those who struggle with depression. That's his intention this month. He says, pray for those people who suffer from depression or burnout. Pray that they'll find support and the light that opens them up to life. I think it's a great prayer. I'm joined today by Deacon Ed Schoner. He uh, is the, uh, uh, I guess he's the president of the Association of Catholic Me- uh, Mental Health Ministers, and you can find him online at catholicmhm.org. And the last time the deacon was on, I think, Deacon, we talked about the loss of, of your child. Uh, before right. I jump to the phones, do you mind just giving everyone a little primer on that? I mean, that was a, and again, I'm sorry, I don't want to touch on something if it's too sensitive or still pretty raw. Uh, but I know you've written books as a result of this to help a lot of people. And a lot of these behaviors, anxiety or drug abuse or addiction or depression, sometimes they lead to suicidal ideations. And um, I, I want people to be aware. That's why we're talking about it today. But maybe you can give everyone a, just a quick snapshot of, of, of your own experience. Sure. I talk about it all the time because uh, I believe God can turn everything to the good, right, Drew, even suicide. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, yeah, my daughter Katie was a beautiful, vibrant young woman, um, she was 29 years old when she died from suicide, but she led a good life. She had uh, bipolar disorder, which caused these extreme ups of, of mania at moments and then extreme downs of, uh, of terrible depression. But most of the time, Katie led a good life in recovery. She uh, went to school. She got a master's in business administration from uh, Ohio State University. Uh, she had uh, tons of friends. Uh, she was just one of these young women that were just a blast to be around. She was funny and vibrant, but she had this illness. And uh, I'm sure the day she died, it was an impulsive uh, suicide where uh, I saw her experience it, where it's like a rock falling off the edge of the table. She'd become so depressed so quickly. Uh, but, you know, after she died, we wrote a simple obituary saying that she had a mental illness and died by suicide, but she was not defined by her mental illness 
or her manner of death. And that obituary went viral, much to my surprise. And I think it's because it spoke to the uh, the, uh, the the problems and and the the people with mental illnesses and those who are grieving the suicide have to deal with that uh, that they are discriminated against and set aside, and that uh, that's not how they're defined. They, in the eyes of God, are beautiful creations of God and loved by God, and uh, the Lord's mercy will pour out upon them. Um, so I think that's the essence of Katie's story Amen. is, is the, that it's an illness and, and they're not defined by these illnesses. People have them and that God loves them far beyond anything. The love even a parent can give to our children. God loves, God, God loves Katie more than, more than even I, my wife and I could be able to love her. And that Amen. brings us great consolation. Yeah, and thanks for what you're doing. Uh, I know you help, you help a lot of people. I have know a, a friend of mine lives right next to somebody who lost their child unexpectedly as well. And it was just... It's devastating. Let's take a few it's, calls. No, go ahead, Deacon. Yeah, we go have ahead. To, I was just going to say, yeah, it's devastating. We need to do better with the medical care. But until the medical care gets better, uh, as Christians, we can love and support each other and uh, and always remind the loved ones, even when they've lost someone to suicide, that God yeah. has not abandoned their loved one who died by suicide, and he's not abandoned you as you in your grief, and that the, the mercy of God is always there, always there. Amen. amen, amen. John in South Elgin, Illinois, thank you for your patience. Good afternoon. Hey, no problem. Hi, Drew, and hi, hi, hi Deacon. My son also uh, suffers from polar uh, depression, and what what we're doing this time, so he's been up and down, like you were you're talking about, he's been in and out of hospitals. We went to 5 o'clock Mass on Sunday, and we're, in, we're in about midway through a 54-day novena for him. Wow. And so what what we did was I was on one side with my hands on him, my my wife was behind him. Uh, my my other son was on the other side with his wife, and there was a couple in front of us. We all laid hands on him, and uh, we prayed for him. And if a Bible verse came to our mind, uh, we said it, and uh, we we let him speak, and it seemed to be uh, very fruitful. So I th- I think we can't underestimate the power of prayer and trying to help people. Uh, absolutely, could, absolutely, and the power of, of your son knowing that his family loves him as much as you guys obviously do—that's uh, so powerful. Yeah, John, wonderful. you can't underscore that. I mean, that, that's the—I right. I believe prayer animates everything, and prayer changes things. I think sometimes we underestimate that. And, and even if it's not that miraculous healing that someone's seeking, that the depression's alleviated, you might find the right counselor, the right treatment, the right medicine. Who knows? Uh, you might re- have that divine spark, that divine touch that brings you know, a total new beginning. So, John, what a wonderful, wonderful point to bring up. Danny's listening uh, in California there on the Central Coast. Danny, good afternoon. Hi, Drew. Uh, hi, Deacon. Um, I wanted to talk specifically about depression. And uh, if people are indoors, we're headed into winter. So it's apparently that we're not getting enough sunlight. And I know there's been a lot of studies connect, between the connection of uh, production of vitamin D yeah, and uh, depression. And like you said, it's uh, people are behind their devices, and maybe because of the lockdowns. <clears throat> so I think it's uh, something to look at. That's a good point, Danny. I'll hold you on that point. I'll let the deacon respond. No question about it. As we enter a darker time of the year, there's less exposure to the sun. I know people in the upper states of this this nation often, um, you know, suffer from from that. D three is 
uh, you know, wonderful alternative. And I think everybody have had physicians on talking about the benefits of vitamin D. I mean, it's something very simple we can all add into our uh, to our regimen. But to, to that point, I mean, you deal with uh, you deal with this issue with the Catholic mental health ministries all the time. There's lots of, of approaches, isn't there? there? There's vitamins, there's medicine, there's counseling, there's treatment, there's prayer. So it's not a one. Uh, you know, a, a one approach. Sure, all, it's, it's called called seasonal affective disorder. I mean, again, I'm not a therapist or a counselor. One of the other things, I mean, I use it because I live in the Northeast in Pennsylvania. So, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, is is they call it a light box uh, that that mimics an outdoor light because uh, when we're in the sunlight, that produces the vitamin D that he's talking about. So that's another little uh, uh, thing to throw in your arsenal of uh, things to fight your depression is these uh, these light boxes that give off yeah. quite a bit of light that mimic daylight. But yeah. Again, but like we've been yeah. talking about all the time, Drew, don't mm-hmm. be afraid to go see a mental health professional. It is right. not, you know, a weakness. It's not a lack of faith by seeing a mental health professional um, to help you through right. with the seasonal affective yeah. disorder. Uh, maybe a little bit of an antidepressant would help. Uh, I mean, don't be afraid to to consider these things at least. Um, all right. We'll go to California again. Uh, Hope is listening to us there. Hi, Hope. Hi. How are you? Okay. My best to everybody at Revolent Radio. I uh, I went through a depression. What happened was my husband left me, my favorite cousin passed away, and my son went to war in Afghanistan. It was all at the same time. So I lost it. And I had taken my dad with me to my uh, doctor appointment, and the doctor had told my dad, she's depressed. Take all knives, guns, rope, whatever you can out of the house. And I would go in my closet late at night and just scream and cry and pray. And I would do that over and over again. And somehow, my youngest son would always find me and put his little teensy little three-year-old hand on my on my uh, shoulder. And between God and my son, I made it. But I am still on antidepressants because every time something bad happens, like when my dad passed, I go back into that same depression. So I, I still am taking medication. But you know what? You can pull through. You can pull through. Just ask God. Yell and scream if you have to, but just ask God because you can't kick it. Yeah, I, I love that. Hope I'm, I'm glad you made it. I'm glad you stayed the course. And Deacon, it is always darkest before the dawn, as you know. We have lost right. Katie, um, right. and so many people think when they're in the midst of that storm, or you know, they've lost a loved one, or they lost their business, or whatever the situation is, it seems insurmountable. Sometimes you lose hope, and, and you know that virtue right. is so important in all this, isn't there? That you know, God, as you pointed out in such a great quote, it's Romans eight twenty eight, where God, you know, works all things together for the good for those you know that love Him. Um, good can come out of any situation, yet sometimes people don't see that far down. Uh, your your right. your thoughts based on what Hope has said. Well, like like what your caller just said, we're mind, body, and spirit, and these these illnesses are chronic illnesses. But we and yet antidepressants are wonderful things. But we also need the Lord present in our lives and uh, to take care of our spirit. You can't one without the other. We need all three things working together: mind, body, and spirit. And it's and it's it's wonderful when when they all work, because that does give you the hope. Especially the spiritual side gives us the hope that we all need, uh, and that Christ wants to give to us. Let me let me try Gary. He's listening in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Hi, Gary. Good afternoon. Hey, Drew. Um, I just watched a documentary last night, and there was a man that was a survivor from Mount Everest, and he was left for dead, and he spent the whole night on Everest. So surprisingly, he showed up at base camp or the fourth camp, whatever it is, 
Mm-hmm. But one thing that he said really struck me. He talked about he suffered with depression his whole life, and the only time he didn't feel depressed was when he pushed himself to the limit, physically mm-hmm. and mentally. And that just really struck me because when I was depressed, I used to exercise a lot, and I think that's what helped me relieve it. Well, another good point. Absolutely, and during our isolation, I've been doing this to deal with my depression, and it's good to be able to recognize when the depression's coming on. But I make it a point to get out and go for a walk, uh, you know, get the endorphins going, as they say, uh, which I'm sure is a reality too. It's yeah. endorphins are real things in your body. But to get uh, to get out for a walk, to get your mind focused on something else, uh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, maybe not climb Mount Everest, but take a walk right. around your park for 45 minutes. I think that's yeah. a wonderful idea. That everyone that's something we can. Do. Uh, Here's the thing. Maybe you can't answer this question for me. I mean, we, we've talked vitamin D. We talked exercises. Uh, you know, all sorts of different things. Right, doing good. Lots of ways to mitigate depression and ultimately deal with it. Um, the, the disconnect from technology, as well as we've seen, there's lower levels of depression amongst the Amish and some of these other tribes. What role does the faith play in this? I'm just wondering. I tell you, I tell you, Drew. When Katie died, the probably the single most powerful thing that got me through that got me through my depression and anxiety and sorrow was spending time in adoration uh, i would spend for months i would go down and i had the keys to the cathedral so to speak because i'm at the yeah, cathedral right. i would go down after after the doors were closed and come in and spend time in adoration uh and i'll be honest with you before that you know i'd spend time in adoration but it wasn't my thing let's put it that way but uh but but it, it was powerful it was powerful spending time with christ uh uh, it, it, to me, it was almost miraculous, uh, but, yeah. but just taking that time to focus on Christ and ask Christ for healing makes yeah. a difference. It helps. It definitely yeah, you know, makes a difference. Uh, and not just simply for therapeutic reasons. I, I, I truly believe that Christ is present with us and wants to heal us uh, in a deeply spiritual way. Uh, and it's, so I, people should, I would certainly recommend that to anyone. Uh, no, to I, think I about adoration. And, and here's the thing about adoration. You know, sometimes when you're down and out, you can't pray, you know, and I don't blame it. It's easy to say, oh, pray. But when you are depressed or you're anxious or you're overwhelmed, you just can't muster up the heart to pray. I think that's the beauty of adoration. That's when you go before the Lord as you would a friend, you know, if you're just hanging out with a spouse or a friend or somebody. You don't always have to talk. I would would just sit there and I would sit there and pray and just say, oh, my God, that was my prayer. Oh, my God. You know, that's perfect. That's, that's the you know that's it. I, I just let the Lord heal you. Let it bathe in the rays. Do some sunbathing. Right. You know, ray. You know, bathe in the right. the rays of our right. of our of the Son of God, if you will, right. literally. So, right. and there's healing that comes with it. I think it's such great advice. If you're in that situation right now, just find that church and just say, Lord, I can't pray, but you know, I believe you're here. And I'm I need here to be healed. Right. Yeah, that's it. Right. Um, but you know, to to the the point of adoration, but to the other point too. I just I, and you might have not have the data for this. Do people of faith, people, let's say, let's look at Catholics or whoever, if God is in the life of someone, are are rates of anxiety and depression lower, or does depression just strike straight across all denominations? I mean, I don't know whether the walk of the Lord helps you to be less depressed. I mean, again, like I said, I don't know if you have the data for that. There is data data out there. That question's been asked by many social researchers over the decades, over the last decades. There seems to be that people that are more uh, in touch with their faith, go to mass more often, more often seem to have lower levels of some of these 
um, mental health concerns. But it's a chicken and an egg question, you know, right, Drew? Are they go- are they able to go to church because they don't have depression, or is, or is is the church service that's keeping the depression down? And ultimately, you can't do a controlled study to get a yeah. definitive answer on that. But there does seem to be a relationship there. Exactly the cause and effect is hard to hard to uh, hard to understand but there there's something going on there and you know there's there's nothing wrong with going to church and praying and being around other people that clearly every every uh, psychologist would say that 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 helps uh to 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 be to to be in the presence of other people and to be in the presence you know as christians of course we believe in even in the presence of our lord definitely is helps Uh, so Deacon, let me do this. I just got to take a short pause. I'm up against yeah. the clock. I have to do that again. When we come back, Maria in San Francisco, she's got a cousin who lost her husband and is now considering suicide. Um, I want you to address that because you lost Katie, your daughter, um, by suicide. And um, Maria, hang with us, okay? We'll be back with your call. If you're on hold, I'll do my best to get you on. If you want to join us, the number here is 888 We're looking at mental health today. We're looking at depression, anxiety, even suicide with the president of the Association of Catholic Mental Health Ministers, Deacon Ed Schoner. And we'll be back with more right after this. The Drew Mariani Show. Connected. Connected. Relevant Radio. Hi, Drew Mariani here. Hey, I am traveling to the Holy Land in February with our underwriting sponsor, Nativity Pilgrimage. Information is available at relevantradio.com slash holyland. That's relevantradio.com slash Holy Land. We live in a postmodern world that rejects structure, rejects the idea that there can be a true story. Truth is subjective, relative, dependent upon my own interpretation. There's no solid reason, no solid reality which determines who I am and what I should do. My professor, Dr. Gieschek, puts it like this. It's like being at a play and somebody sends you on stage and you don't know the script, you don't know what character you are, you don't know the play that you're in. You're gonna get up on stage and not know what to do because you don't know the story you belong to, the story you are in. And this causes deep anxiety because inside of us, deep within us, our hearts yearn for unity and sense. And our hearts do not lie. Our hearts and history tell the truth. The true story that we all belong to is what God has revealed, has been recorded in scriptures, and proved by all of history. God creates man in his image and likeness with the ability to love, and love means choice. And we chose and we choose to do evil instead of good for our own satisfaction. Sin is the problem. And we cannot fix it on our own, but God can. St. Jose Maria Escriva said, Every day, O Lord, I'm less sure of myself and more sure of you. Like St. Therese said, I'm not always faithful, but I'm never discouraged. I know the story of love that I belong to. I know the goal is love. And I know where to go to receive the strength, to strive to live love to its fullest. And that is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Now, what a great piece of audio, Maggie. Well done. That was um, Sister Marie Therese Langer from the Congregation of the Sisters of Merciful Jesus talking about depression, stemming from an uncertainty 
in your place in the world. She, and she says, look, we belong to a true story. We do. Look, there is hope out there. If I have time before the segment runs out, I'll share with you a couple saints who actually suffered from depression. You might be surprised at who some of these great saints were and ultimately you know, how they found healing. I'll get into that. But right now, uh, if you're just joining me, I am joined by Deacon Ed Schoner. Uh, he lost his daughter. He, I had spoken to him for the very first time after he wrote uh, an obituary uh, for the passing of his daughter. Uh, she died by suicide, and uh, that was back in 2016, and her obituary went viral because it spoke, it spoke really to the needs and concerns of people who live with mental illness, and, and quite often those who take their life. Uh, it's, it's motivated by things sometimes really outside of their control, and uh, he founded the Katie Foundation. You can learn more about him, too. I'll get you plugged into him. But right now, Deacon, uh, it's good to have you back with us. And uh, let's grab Maria's call in San Francisco. She is, I think, dealing with a similar situation. Maria, good afternoon. Hello. Can you Hi, hear me? Maria. Yeah, we can. Go right ahead. Oh, okay. So I just have a question about I have a cousin who is hurt. She just lost her her husband. And she keeps talking about committing suicide. I don't know if she will or not. She goes up and down, you know, about. But I'm just um, wondering, she's a Catholic, and I wonder if I heard you say earlier in this program that God forgives those who commit suicide. So do you believe that God would forgive her? And because it says thou shalt not kill, does that mean even yourself? I mean, I don't know. It's not funny. Right, well, I just, I just don't, I, know what, I don't know what to think. No, I, I get it. Deacon, let's talk about this. Let's talk about what the church teaches regarding suicide, because it is a, a mortal sin, but, you know, there's all these mitigating circumstances. I'll let you address it. Yeah, I mean, the catechism actually has a couple paragraphs about suicide. It's certainly grave matter. We shouldn't kill ourselves, and I tell you this, no one wants to kill themselves. Right, uh, exactly. I do, do truly believe mm-hmm. that, that these, these mental disorders, these situational depressions, like what your your friend, your sister, you said it is, that's going through? Cousin. Uh, my cousin, cousin, my cousin, my cousin. Sorry, your cousin. I mean, these situational depressions put such pressure on our mind and our ability to deal with it that we get it in a place where we don't think rationally. So the church understands that, right. and the church believes Christ understands that. I would say this about your cousin: if she's talking about suicide, openly talking to you about mm-hmm. it, to the extent that you mm-hmm. can try to encourage her to get to see a psychiatrist or a therapist to to work through this uh, and try to uh, reduce, because like I said earlier, this is like the signs of a heart attack or, 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 uh, or having mm-hmm. a stroke. She needs mm-hmm. to get help. And right. I would, and if it turns yeah. out she's saying, I've got a plan, you should ask her, do you have a plan? Ask her, do you mm-hmm. have a gun? Do you have a noose? Do you have a specific okay. plan? And if she's talking mm-hmm. about having a specific plan, you know, if you have to call nine one one, you have to call nine one one and get her get her into a hospital and get mm-hmm. her safe. Uh, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's a judgment call you have to make talking to her because you don't want to shut her down either. But you want to keep her safe. So th- these are this no, is I serious. don't. I, I don't. Uh, she's she's yeah. in a grief support group right now. She's not okay. run no, by good. a therapist. Oh, so, good. Um, she's okay. getting a little help there, but. Yeah, yeah but uh, yeah, the more okay. she can talk about it, uh, yeah, and if she can go see one-on-one counseling, it sounds like that would really help her. Mm-hmm. But yeah. ask her if she has a plan. That would be good. Uh, and I, anyone I, listening, ask that, that question. The main thing I want to know just, though, is she's asking this question, too, because she's a Catholic. Will God forgive her if she does that? I mean, I don't... You said 
there's yeah. something in I, there. You know, <laughs> if someone asks that, if they're thinking suicidal, I would say God does not want you to kill yourself. Do not kill yourself. And don't, no, you know, don't, yeah, 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 absolutely. Absolutely. And at, at this point, I obviously, by the, the mere fact that she's asking that question, she knows she should not do it. Yeah. Uh, and, and do everything you can within your powers, you know, and sometimes, you know, I certainly know this. We're limited. You know, sometimes we can't prevent these deaths. Uh, but everything you can to get her to a therapist. And like I said, if she talks about a plan, don't be reluctant to call 911. And get, and most most police departments now have mental, police that are trained in mental health responses. So they're not going to send the ordinary cop in a beat. They'll send someone who has been specifically trained for these type of situations. Um, so, you know, keep yeah. that in the back of your mind, too. Uh, and look up if you have if you have access to the catechism, you know, look up suicide in the catechism. And there's three very succinct paragraphs to talk about church teaching in this. Uh, but at this point, your cousin does not want to die by suicide and do everything you can to uh, encourage, you know, prevent that from happening within your powers. You know, you know sometimes still happens. Yeah. So sometimes the fear of hell is enough to deter someone from doing that. So. You, know, you don't want to give them the green light. Say, oh, sure, God will forgive you. Right. But you're well, right. exactly, exactly. You know, it, it's right. And it sounds like she's not there yet. She doesn't want to die. But uh, let's, you know, do what you can to keep her from getting to that point where she thinks it's her only option. Sadly, some people, when they die by suicide, they truly, it's hard for us, us that have not been in that position. But they think it's their only option, and it's totally irrational. But it sounds like your cousin is still, you know, not there yet. So there's always hope. There's always and hope. It, and the deacon here, if you're just listening to us, Deacon Choner lost his own daughter uh, uh, by suicide, and uh, he knows um, he knows what you're going through. There is a website you can go to, uh, and there is a phone number. I'm going to give it to you right now. It's the uh, National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. But here's the telephone number. Jot this down. Maria, make sure she has this if she's down and out. A um, couple things you can do. It's, it's 1-800-273-8255. If you know somebody that's saying they're not, they don't want to live, they want to take their life, uh, take it very seriously. I knew a young man who was very depressed, and um, we, you know, I only heard this you know, months or even a year later um, from the family members who were telling me about this. They shared with me that their son um, you know, thought, ah, you know, I don't want to live anymore. So he went online, and he looked up Deacon, you know, ways to kill himself. And there are chat rooms out there. There are forums, oh, I guess. Oh, yeah. I don't know what oh, it is yeah. where, where yeah. people are saying, dress up in black and stand in a busy yeah. road or do, I mean, oh, yeah. they were literally yeah. telling him how to take his yeah. own life instead of saying, Hey, step back. Right. You don't need to do this. You can, you, you can be, well, they right. were describing ways to terminate his life painlessly or quickly or in all sorts of, it was evil is really what right. it was. This it's is a person who needed, who needed help. Uh, not encouragement to take his life. So uh, check out the National Suicide Prevention Line. You can also uh, call this number, 1-800-273-TALK. 1-800-273-TALK. That translates into 273-8255. Or you could text, uh, you know, you can text the crisis line there, text uh, WORDS, W-O-R-D-S, and uh, somebody will help you. Of course, 911 is right around the corner. Deacon, I have to leave it there. Your two books, let's talk about them before I run out of time. Uh, where can people get them and how will it help? You can get them on Amazon, you know, any of those online bookstores. They were published by, or are published by Ave Maria Press. And one's for, for the Catholic leaders of the parish to set up a mental health ministry and other support programs. And the other smaller book is for people grieving a suicide. It's written in nine chapters, pray a novena, uh, and invite Christ into your life. And that book is called When a Loved One Dies by Suicide. 
tell you what we'll do right now. We'll do something that does change things. We will pray. We'll pray the chapel of divine mercy when I return. If you want to join me, feel free to dial in. It's 888-914-9149. My thanks to Deacon Ed Schoner. Always great to talk with you, Deacon. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Drew. I'll be right back. 